You're listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast, where our focus is helping people to connect to God, change, and thrive in life. So uh, today uh, we continue here, and uh, you know, uh, today I want to share a little bit about myself. I want to share a little bit about my story uh, and my struggle, uh, particularly with the specific area in my life for the last uh, 14 going on 15 years, uh, and so almost my entire time uh, as a Christian. In 19 days, I will be a 15-year-old Christian, and so uh, uh, God is good. Uh, I think I have sinned more as a Christian than as a non-Christian, uh, because you, when you sin as a Christian, you already know the truth, uh, and, but God is, God is so good. Uh, in allowing me to continue uh, to serve him, to know him, uh, to change, to grow, and every now and then mature a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, amen? And so uh, we're going to talk about family and we're going to talk about Martin. This is a good scripture to start. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. The Bible says that God sets the lonely in families. It says he leads out the prisoners with singing. There'll be a little reference point there to, to Paul when he was in prison there, you know, to the scripture right here. But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. And uh, all of this passages in some ways describe me. Uh, I was rebellious to God uh, for many years uh, as a non-Christian, wanting to uh, just make a difference in the world, wanting to change, help people, wanting to serve people, but but my life was a mess. And uh, the way that I lived, the way that I treated other people, the way that my relationships, uh, a lot of them, most of them, the most important ones, the ones with family, the ones with close friends, most of my relationships were just built on lies. Lies to, you know, come across a little funnier or, you know, uh, smart uh, or just to, to protect uh, what was really going on so that I wouldn't get in trouble or I wouldn't be caught or, or challenged to, to change. But a lot of it was just hiding things, lying, because I felt so much, so much shame. And it wasn't until... Uh, I was reached out to. Matt Hunt invited me to church there at Long Beach City College. And uh, him, and the, the, him and the guys studied the Bible with me. And, and they taught me uh, what God wanted from me. And, and, and they taught me how to have a relationship with God. And I realized that I had created my own religion without knowing it. A little Jesus, a little grandma's teaching, a little Bob Marley here and there. You know, just sort of all kinds of different things, but I had created my, my own religion, my own view of God without knowing it. And so studying the Bible and being taught what the Bible says, I was brought into Christ and I was brought into this family. The church is a family. The church has been my family for 15 years. For my wife and I, the church has raised us. My wife became a Christian at 16 years old in our sister church there in Metro L.A. in the teen ministry. 
I became a Christian at 18 years old in a campus ministry. We met when I was 19, and, and she was 17, and we met there in Long Beach City College. We had our first conversation and fell in love in Long Beach City College. I dated another sister, but then I dated her and got married. <laughs> Rebellious in a sun-scorched land. But God, God's good. He, he, he helped me to repent. And, and you know, being so young, both of us come from broken families. And the church has been our family. And not to discredit our own families, not to disrespect them at all. We're grateful for everything they have done and they continue to do. But because of other circumstances and from down then, sometimes their own decisions, we grew up in an unstable home. We did not grow up with mom, dad in the home. We didn't grow up with any structure like that. But we grew up, we were loved, we were taken care of. Uh, But it wasn't until we came to the church, for me, it wasn't until I came to the church that I realized what family really is. And so for a Mexican kid, you got this pride of my family, you know, my mi familia. We all love each other, we're loud, and and you realize, wow, a lot of that is just superficial. I found family in the church. Amen? And every now and then you have problems in the church. You have conflict in the family in the church, right? Every now and then someone just bursts out of nowhere. We're just not family! And they just... What? That was probably me in campus ministry. But man, I'll take this family. (laughs) Whatever conflict is going on, I'll take this family anytime. Because the overseer of this family is God. And God will help us resolve things. Amen? Uh, we spent uh, almost three years in our sister church there in the west side. And we, it was going through some difficult times. But I was just so encouraged to see how Christians handle conflict. That you don't run from it, but you deal with it. And then during that time, we served in the teen ministry. And it was just such a great lesson for the teens to witness how conflict happens in the church. You don't run from it. You deal with it. You don't avoid it. You talk about it until we're resolved. I'm so grateful for this church. Um, amen. Let's, uh, let's transition here. At the risk of talking a little bit too much about myself, so I apologize beforehand. I, I'm not here to talk about myself, but I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that my story encourages your vision for family, that it reminds you of God's vision for you in this family. Uh, and also, uh, it's so encouraging that in, in God's family, all of us have a voice. And it starts with your voice to God, with your prayer life. And so it's so cool that you can have direct access to the leader of this family. Uh, Amen? In fact, when we're not going directly to the leader of this family, sometimes you should get a little grumpy towards the people in the church because you're talking or thinking more about the stuff going on here than actually telling those things to God first. Uh, Amen? So God's vision 
for family. So a little bit about myself. I was born in a city in Mexico, Mexico called Tepic. And I came here when I was nine years old. Uh, when I was three, my parents split up. Uh, and so my mom immigrated to the United States to work because our family in Mexico was really poor. And so my dad was married and he had a family and he left his family and he got with my mom and they had me and they were together for three years and that didn't work out. So they split up and then he went back to his original family. And so my mom, after leaving, you know, my grandparents, her parents home, she wasn't just going to come back with a child. And so she didn't know what to do and she had to make the heartbreaking decision uh, to immigrate here but to immigrate here without bringing me along because it was going to be too much of a risk for me and she was here to work. And so it was safer for me to stay with my grandparents. And so I grew up with my grandparents from the age of three to the age of nine. And life was great. I had a great childhood. I'm so grateful uh, for, my, for my time there and what God did in my heart, uh, the great memories and experiences there. But it was definitely... From age three to age nine, mom and dad were my grandparents. And so my relationship with mom was not developing. Obviously, she would call, she'd, you know, uh, reach out all the time. But it just wasn't the same not growing up with her. And so it wasn't. Uh, and my dad lived a block and a half away from where my grandma lived with his family. And so many times, you know, Mexico, you just kind of walk everywhere. So many times I would just walk in front of my dad's house and see my brothers and sisters there and seeing his family. Uh, but, you know, I was always too shy and there was just no communication uh, between us. For whatever reason, he never reached out to try and connect with me. Looking back now, I, feel, I really feel grateful about that because there was no rupture, because there was never an emotional connection. Now, I'm still wounded because there, there was an absence of a father, but the wound of the emotional detachment wasn't there because there was never an emotional attachment in the first place. You with me right there? And so I came to this country when I was nine years old, and so I started school here in fourth grade. I didn't speak any, uh, any English, and so... I grew up just a few blocks away from here, Hawaiian Gardens, HG. Uh, <clears throat> be careful where you say that. Uh, and so I grew up there, and I remember uh, entering fourth grade, you know, and so I look at all the, the, what I thought were Mexican kids, right? Obviously, they were offended. They're like, I'm from El Salvador. What are you talking about? Uh, <clears throat> and so I would go and try to kind of hang out with them, right? And then I start speaking Spanish to them, and they just look at me weird because they didn't speak Spanish. It was like, what? You look like me, but you don't speak Spanish. What's going on? Where am I? And so uh, God worked it out there for me to learn some English. And so by fifth grade, I was already kind of assimilating, and, and God gave me a little gift there with, with the language. And so I was able to be uh, fluent uh, a year later and, and build friendships there. And so... I grew up here now from 9 to 18. 18, I came to, uh, I went to Long Beach City College where I was met, as I shared earlier, and became a Christian there. And after being a Christian here in the campus ministry for two years, God had a very unique plan for little Martin from Hawaiian Gardens. 
God's like, I have the perfect place for you. I'm going to send you to Palos Verdes, California. Because you're going to fit in right there. And so God sent me to be in the team ministry uh, and serve in the team ministry in Palos Verdes, California. And so I was no longer in the campus ministry around my peers, around my friends. I was in, in Palos Verdes in a smaller church. And you know what? God is good. Because my time in Palos Verdes is where I learned family the most. Because I saw the family structure, the biblical family structure. I saw mom and dad who loved God and loved each other. And I saw how they were raising their kids. That was present in Long Beach. Don't don't feel insecure. I just wasn't around that. I was in the campus ministry. And back then, the campus ministry did not meet with the church like this. We had separate services. So I didn't even know there was adults in the church till like a few months into it. Oh, there's other people here. Are they committed like we are? Uh, And so uh, they were. You were. You were. It was obvious. Fruits of the Spirit were obvious. And so... We trans- I was in uh, Palos Verdes, and, and, and there I, I was healed uh, of something I didn't even know I had. Being a Mexican kid growing up in Hawaiian Gardens, without knowing it, as a Christian, I realized that I was prejudiced. That I was prejudiced towards older white men. And so I didn't know that. So you start feeling insecure around, you know, older white brothers, like... What's going on? Why do I feel what I feel? God revealed to me, you're prejudiced, Martin. Me? Yeah. And so God healed me from that. It was awkward realizing that, you know, you're like, why did I, why, why did I, why do I have that? Uh, but God was able to heal me through that. But more importantly, not just heal me, the brothers And Palos Verdes became my dad. Kevin Maines became my father figure. Brian Plymel, who's right there. I'm trying not to look at him because I'm going to cry. Became my dad. Henry Kramer, all these men just adopted me. As I was trying to serve them as their family and their teenagers, the reality was God took me there to heal me, to show me what family is, to show me a different aspect of what the church is and what Christianity is beyond the campus borders. So don't leave the campus yet, campus students. That time will come. So you got to grow where you're planted. So God takes you. And so from there, you know, we, Tina and I got married and we uh, obviously uh, transitioned to serving full-time there in the teen ministry. We, we came back here for a while uh, in uh, Greater Long Beach to serve in the teen ministry, then we went back to West LA, and now we're serving in the Spanish ministry uh, there. So that's just a little bit of a bracket, but now I'm going to get to, to the main story there. Look in Luke 18. Again, there's a lot of me being shared about, but I hope you find you in this. Luke 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray. And not give up. You know, the church taught me how to have a relationship with God. The brothers taught me how to have a relationship with God. To not to rely on the church, but to rely on God. 
And this is so encouraging to see this verse 1, that Jesus is persuading you to pray to him and not give up. When you compare Jesus to all these other religions, gods, goddesses, philosophies, no one is persuading you this way like Jesus is. That Jesus is saying, I'm going to try and show you this parable to persuade you to keep praying and not give up. In my nature, I'm a person that gives up. And Jesus is persuading us right here to not give up praying. So I need to ask you this question. Is there a prayer that you've given up praying about? Is there a vision that you once had about your relationship with God or your service in the church and for the family of believers that you are no longer praying? I want to encourage you to revive that prayer. And I want to encourage you to add a different prayer. It's a little risky. But this prayer was a prayer that I, without really thinking about it, prayed. And I said, God... Help me to be the servant that the church needs me to be. A few months later, God asked, send me to the teen ministry. That's not where I wanted to go, but that's where God needed me to be. And so what we have here is so special. But it's important that we keep dreaming and praying to continue to serve one another. Amen? Because somebody prayed. I know Matt prayed that semester to meet somebody. You know, I think he was out to meet 15 people a day. A brother said something. Oh, he was going to share with 10 people a day. A brother, you know, campus ministry encouragement. It's like, why 10? Do 20. He's like, all right, I'll do 15. I was the 13th one. So amen for challenges. Because if we would have kept 10, I don't know if I'd be here. But people were praying to bring more troublesome people into the church. The challenge is when we're not praying like this, and indirectly we're kind of closing the door to other people from coming into the church. Jesus is persuading us to keep praying and to not give up. And then he said, verse 2, he said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God or care about men, sounds judge, right? At least he's honest. He says, yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. Verse 6, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Yeah, I hear it. That's messed up. Verse 7 says, and will not God bring about justice for who? His chosen ones. Do you feel chosen by God this morning? You're chosen to God. Maybe you had a rough week. Maybe you're having a tough time. But to God, 
He sees your tough time and he's saying, don't give up praying. You're my chosen one. That's so encouraging. Amen? Then he says, my chosen ones who cry out to him night, day and night, will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? You know, for many years, this scripture just bothered me. You ever, feel, you ever have those scriptures that just bother you? Like, ah, oh, I don't know how to say this, but I don't like that scripture. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't like this scripture because it just hurt. Because there was a prayer that I had been praying for so many years that I just felt like God was not answering. And so as I shared with you, I came here when I was nine years old. And so that puts me to be an undocumented person. In some circles, I'm an illegal alien. I choose to call myself an undocumented person. Not an illegal alien. Undocumented person. And so my prayer was like, God, can you open up a door for me to become a resident, to become a citizen? I wasn't able to drive. I wanted a driver's license, right? I'm 19 years old in the campus ministry. I'm not really thinking about my future. I just want to drive. And so one of my friends from Hawaiian Gardens one day comes up to me and shows me his driver's license. And we had a similar story about our, our upbringing and our, our arrival into this country. And so I was like, is that fake? He's like, no, it's real. I'm like, really? Yeah, right. It was real. And so he pointed me toward this notary in Hollywood. And so I went to visit her, looked legit, paid all this money. She started doing paperwork for me. It was all legal. And so I, was, I qualified to get a, a work permit. I qualified to get a driver license, not knowing, however, that what she was doing was placing me in a path to being deported. Because being Mexican, she, 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 she signed me up basically under asylum, but there's no asylum for someone from Mexico. And so I didn't know that. And then I start finding myself now as a Christian in, in, in immigration court, and even the judge looked at me and said, do you, son, do you realize what's happening? You're going to be deported. I was like, what? So I went back to the notary in, the, in her office and there was no more office. She had skipped town. It's just a bunch of paper. No, nothing left in the office. And no phone number. And so now, um, what do I do? I don't have any money for Lord. What do I? I got to pray. And so I keep praying, I keep praying, I keep praying. And, you know, long story short, uh, there was no notice that came. So I'm like, I'm just going to live my life. I still have my work permit. I still have my, my driver license. No letter has come. I'm just going to live my life and see what happens. Got married. I'm like, this is probably going to help, right? <coughs> Wrong! And so, you know, we, we, we filled out the paperwork, and my, we got married knowing that there was a chance that my wife and I would have to leave the country. And so 
Uh, my wife married me knowing that we might live in Mexico or Panama or Canada, wherever we, wherever you want, baby. Choose somewhere in the world, except America. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it came to that point, life with Tina or life without Tina. I was in love, life with Tina. And so we, we were married and we just kept serving God and we filed all this paperwork, right? And we went to a lawyer in downtown L.A. and paid more money and got some help from the brothers there. They actually paid for the money. I didn't pay anything. They encouraged me and uh, paid for that. And, and so years would go by, and I'm calling. Oh, don't worry about it. You know, there's a presidency change. Don't worry. It's just delaying. Da, 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 da. Five years go by. You're like, okay, what's going on? It's been five years. I don't know why I waited that long. So then we went to a different judge. Uh, sorry, a different uh, lawyer. And so then that lawyer just kind of gets on their computer and looks at all my info, and she looks at us and says, I am so sorry. This lawyer, your previous lawyer, hasn't done anything for you. My wife starts crying, five years wasted, and she said, it gets worse. In the eyes of the law, it looks like you've been hiding from the law. No! So obviously as disciples, okay, what can we do? Bottom line, just petition. My case was now closed. So let's petition for them to reopen my case. And so many times I just felt so frustrated, so tired, so discouraged. But so many brothers, so many sisters, so many of you prayed for me. To this day, some of you guys are still praying for me. We have about nine months to go there. But it was just a time that was just so discouraging because I just felt like I I was just mad at God. Why did you allow this to happen? I'm serving you. Why did you allow this to happen? But those times, my case is now going on 14 years. It's just God's just used it to refine me, to teach me that I need to keep praying and not give up. So we we send in a petition. They rejected it. Rejection means we're not even going to look at your case. We're just, can you just look at my case? You're going to see all these things that happened that weren't supposed to happen. Second petition, rejected. Third and last, if they reject this one, you know, I, my prayer was like, God, just, just make sure I go to San Antonio for 2012 conference. And after that, okay, I'm good. I'll come back in 10 years. And so third and final chance, church is praying, church is fasting. We're praying, we're fasting, and God opens the door. And they look at my file, and they see, oh, yeah, this lady committed fraud. She's actually wanted. <laughs> She's committed fraud all over, all over the states here. Oh, we see what happened. Oh, 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 oh. Well, you're no longer going to be removed, but there isn't a law in place that can help you be a citizen. So we're going to take you off the calendar. What that means is we don't know what to do with you. We're just going to ignore you. <laughs> and so... That was, like, encouraging, but, like, that's not what I want. So we kept praying. We kept praying. And then my grandfather became ill in Mexico. And this was my fear. Because the rest of my families in Mexico, just my mom and my uncle and his wife are here. My fear was that one of my family members would get sick and I would not be able to go see them, especially my grandfather and my grandma. And so my grandfather was, was uh, diagnosed with cancer, and it was terminal cancer. And I'm struggling because I need to go see him, and I can't see him, and what do I do? So 
we found this form that we can fill out, pay some more money, and just, for me, just to have a clear conscience that I tried, we filed it. The lawyer's like, are you sure? I was like, I just need to have a clear conscience that I did my best to go see him. He's like, okay. We just said a quick prayer. And then I get a phone call one day saying, Martin, uh, your permit to go to Mexico is here. I was like, what? Do you have the right person? They said yes. And so God, even my lawyer was surprised that, this, that I was able to qualify for that. And so I was able to leave the country 14 years after not seeing my family, about 18 years about not seeing my family, going to go see. Now, in the process, my grandfather did pass away. And so it was, it was hard, but I was able to go back. And so it was just this prayer that so many people had been praying that God was opening the door for us. And so with that, I want to bring you some good news from a distant land. And so I went to Mexico, and there's my family there with the banner uh, welcoming me in the airport. And so I just thought about what heaven was going to be like, what heaven's going to be like. When you get to heaven, and the Bible says that, you know, you're going to be greeted, right? And that it's like, oh, I can't believe I'm here. I made it. Oh, and my face started twitching. You know when you want to cry? You want to hold back because you're in front of other people. But I just couldn't. My face just started twitching. I just couldn't believe that God had opened the door for me to go see my family. As I, as I got off the, the airplane, I was like, oh, I'm here. I didn't kiss the floor because there was a bunch of policemen with rifles. I didn't want to, you know, disturb the peace there a little bit. Uh, and so, but, I, but then my, I could see my family and the lady that was working there, she's like, get your bag first and then you can go out. And I just couldn't help it. I just ran to my family. I hugged them. I kissed them. I, I couldn't believe that this was happening. But it wasn't just that. I got to spend time, obviously, with all these cousins I didn't know because uh, Mexican families have a lot of little kids. And so <clears throat> I'm like, oh, what's your name? Oh, oh, oh. Uh, but I also got to visit our sister church there. The church was planted 10 years ago by, uh, by a couple. Uh, his name's Martin, kind of a spiritual name. Just kidding. Uh, <clears throat> Martin and uh, Paulina. And so they lead uh, the church there. They're small business owners. They're non-pay, non-full-time. They're just trying to do their best to plant this church there. They're 32 members. But I got to share my faith with my family, not just see them, but obviously share my faith and then bring them with me to church. And so I scheduled it for me to be there two Sundays, one to take them to church and one that's, can I preach? And so my, my neighbors came to church. My grandma came to church. And so the last Sunday that I'm there, I'm preaching, I'm looking at the audience, and I'm like, that's my grandma. I'm a Christian, I'm at church, I'm in Mexico, and that's my grandma. I'm all, I'm all sentimental, so I kept my communion cup, you know. It's like, I'm going to hold on this forever. <clears throat> to remind me of how good God is. So I've come from a broken family, and this is in some ways the point. God brought me to the church to restore me and to show me what family really is. And then God just kept me here for a long time and then sends me back to my family so that I can help connect my physical family to my church family. 
And that's what God wants for all of us, right? <clears throat> so God's vision for family is real. It's true. And yet so often we view Christianity in such an independent mode. But it's a we sport, not an I sport. And so it's so encouraging to see years later the connections there. My cousin started studying the Bible. Uh, you know, last, last week, a uh, sister in our, in our, our, our Spanish ministry in MLA, uh, she studied the Bible before she got baptized she said, I need to call my, my mom back home. She's from Tepic. So she calls her mom back in Tepic, right? She says, Mom, I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to become a Christian. I just want to apologize. I'm sorry. And Mom says, no, no, I need to apologize because I'm studying the Bible in the church here. And so the daughter gets baptized, and the, daughter's, and the, mom, and the mom is studying the Bible in our sister church in Mexico. They didn't even know. What's God doing? God's vision for family, to restore family, not just in greater Long Beach, but internationally. Uh, that's, so, that's so encouraging. You know, when I got there, I saw what God was doing. Here, this guy's name is Cesar. He became a Christian. He left the faith, just kind of went out all over the country partying. He's from Tepic, and so he decided, I'm going to go back to Tepic, settle down, hang out with my friends. He comes back from Topeka and realizes all of his friends are dead. Alcohol use, violence, and he just, it just hit him. I've been wasting my life. All of my friends are dead. I didn't even share it with them. So he finds the church and gets restored. This sister right here, her, her granddaughter actually became a Christian in the campus ministry in Texas. So she calls back home and says, Grandma, you got to go to church. I became a Christian. So Grandma visits church, and she becomes a Christian. And so here's me visiting my grandfather. There's my grandma up there. Here's a picture with my cousins. Years later, uh, here's a picture of my family. Here's a picture of the church. Uh, and there's a, there's a brother that leads the teen ministry there. God has a great vision for family. I know I've shared a lot about myself, but I just want to encourage you to, as you hear my story, you can see God's faithfulness to you because you too are chosen. So don't give up praying. God is persuading you to not give up praying. You know, I'm going to show you a quick video here of a couple that just got baptized. The audio is in Spanish. I'll translate later. It's just a two a minute and a half clip. They just got baptized and they have a message here uh, for you guys because we, as the coastal LA, at once a year we give missions uh, to support the work of the churches in Mexico and Central uh, America. And so here's a glimpse of what uh, the impact that, that our missions money uh, makes. Thank you. 
You know, his heart is just overflowing with gratitude that he got, he just got baptized and all the family that he had conflict with is right there. It's amazing to see how God is just restoring families to him, to him first and then to each other. And obviously they're just expressing their gratitude to the support of the church in San Diego and L.A. for everything that they do. Uh, and so... Uh, you know, sometime this year as we give our missions, let's, this is a phase of what we're giving to. This is a story of what we're giving to, that, that we're supporting these churches in Mexico and Central America so they, too, can be reconciled to God, so they, too, can establish family. Amen? And everything that we do as a church is for God. And everything that we do is to try and reach as many as possible, like me, like you, because God, that's God's vision for family. And sometimes we have conflict or we get stuck, but let's not stop God's vision for family because we're stuck. God wants to encourage us to keep praying and not give up. We're going to go ahead and take communion right here. And I just want to encourage you to think about what are your prayers to keep praying. God is persuading you to not give up. You know, as we say, as we read earlier there in Psalms where the, the scripture says that God frees those that are in prison, right? Is it about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. You know, this happened in Philippi. Obviously, we know the story there that <coughs> God opened the jail cells and freed them up and, and then they, they were able to help convert the, the, uh, the jailer into Christ, um, but now we, we skip ahead here uh, to Philippians uh, chapter 4 uh, in verse 6. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. You know, this petition that God answered was a petition of many, many, many years. And it's interesting to see Paul here 
years later back in prison in Philippi. And so uh, it, it's, it's just powerful to see that sometimes God takes us somewhere and then he kind of takes us around and then puts us back <laughs> where we started. But, you know, for an evangelist like Paul, a church planter like Paul, to be in house arrest, that must have been so discouraging, right? But it was the right plan for him. Why? Because there he got to write scripture. And so Paul probably thought, I'm more helpful to God. I'm more servant to God if I'm going around planting churches. But God was like, you're actually more helpful to me if you're in house arrest. And sometimes God just does things or allows things in our lives that we may not agree with, but at least we can attempt to understand that at the end of the day, God may be using this to help someone, to save someone, to connect someone to his church family. So this is my story, and God is continuing to write it. He's the author of my salvation. God is the author of your salvation. He's put you in the right family to teach you, to heal you. Don't get frustrated. Don't direct your frustration towards others. Direct it towards, towards God. He knows what to do with it. A little practical here before we pray and take communion. Hindrance of prayer and practicals of prayer. Luke 18, verse 1 through 8 the lack of persistence sometimes keeps us from praying, right? Obviously, the practical is be persistent. First Peter there tells us there's a lack of concentration sometimes. What's the opposite? Focus. Try and concentrate. Go to a solitary place. Keep praying. The lack of personal righteousness. Our battle with sin is worth it because it makes us righteous there. Uh, it, keeps us, it keeps our heart pure from being hardened so that we can connect with God. Obviously, there's prayers that are contrary to God, but there's a lot of prayers that are, are God's will that perhaps we're not praying like the prayer, God help me to be the servant that the church needs me to be. And sometimes we lack faith. All of these I failed at, but there were brothers in the church that reminded me again and again, don't give up. God's faithful. Don't give up. God is faithful. And God opened that door. And so I'm a few months away from becoming a resident in the country, full, full-on citizen, and now I have an obligation to stay connected with the church there, to travel, to do my best to communicate God's plan uh, and to connect the churches in the U.S., in Mexico, and in Central America. God is good. God has a great vision for the family. Let's enjoy, let's protect, and let's keep growing this family. Amen? Let's go to prayer. Let's pray for our communion. Father, we're so grateful that you yourself did not quit, but you kept praying, that you prayed, you had to pray three times uh, to surrender and take the cross. And Father, we're grateful uh, that you uh, took the cross for us. Without your sacrifice, we would not have what we have. You would not be uh, our God. You would not be our Father. Thank you so much for desiring and having such a vision for your family that you were willing to die and sacrifice for us. Help us to examine our hearts, examine our lives, and make decisions where we too can surrender. We too can keep praying. We, we too uh, can make sacrifices so that your family keeps growing. Bless the church here in Greater Long Beach, Father. Help the gospel to keep advancing in the communities and the individuals. 
because here in Long Beach, everyone has a connection with somewhere in the world. And I just pray, God, you continue to do great, great things in this church family, God. We're grateful for your vision. We pray we can keep your vision and live for that vision, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast. For more information about our church, please visit greaterlongbeachchurch.com.